0: Corinth was metropolitan. It was modern. It was exciting. It was a place of opportunity. It was a place where people could come and and shed where they were were from and who they were, where they started. They could come to Corinth and really make something of themselves. It was an exciting uh, new feeling to be there in that city. People who used to be slaves didn't have to carry that stigma anymore. They could be anything they could make of themselves. In Corinth, there was everything you could ever want. Anything that your money could be spent on, you could find in Corinth. Anything you wanted to achieve, the opportunity was there in Corinth. Classes and societies, they certainly existed, but in a different way in Corinth. And you could cross class, you could move up class, and all of those uh, structures and strata that normally would limit you, in Corinth, you could overcome them. It was lavish. The best of the entertainment, the best of of buying and shopping, and it was intercultural and cross-cultural. Everything about Corinth is just like the United States of America. The same corruptions, the same challenges, but the same opportunities were there. And it's why we say that studying Corinthians and, and making applications is a lot like something that maybe Paul would have written as a first Americans. It is as relevant today as it was when it was penned. Paul's letter to the Corinthian church is not merely an historic document exposing issues of a developing Christian faith in the city of Corinth. In fact, um, the social implications and the scripture uh, that was delivered to Corinth can be picked up and dropped into the United States of America and be just as relevant, just as germane, just as biting and encouraging today as it was then. So we have a responsibility as we read the words of Scripture to take an unchanging truth and bring it into the United States today and make application because, as we'll say all the way through this, uh, this study in Corinthians, what was is. There's nothing new under the sun. What was is and what was true for the church there in Corinthian in Corinth the struggles that they had were the same kind of struggles that you and I have today and yes we have electricity and PCs and cars but take those things away and really we're just not that different from Corinth because we're all created in the image of God and there's nothing new under the sun so what we're in, what we're encountering in Corinthians we're going to be encountering in the United States and we want to make application with that Uh, understanding. Today, as you were reading in your Bibles, and I hope you brought your physical Bibles with you, we're going to primarily focus today on verse 10, where it says, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. We're speaking today primarily about the subject of harmony and harmony among us. But well, there's two uh, primary themes we're going to try to get to today. The first one is a theme of family unity. That means an agreement, a oneness, a, a togetherness is, the, is that term unity. So there's a family unity. And the second, if we have time to get to it today, is uh, looking at the fact that He has called us, His church, His people, His bride, to have a spiritual mission, and that is to put a corrupted culture back in order, to have what we would refer to as a redeeming or a restoring Effect on the culture in the society where we find ourselves. So let's begin with the subject of family unity. Um, I urge you, brothers and sisters. He begins with this term, brothers and sisters. Do you remember in another one of Paul's letters, he uses this term about Jesus as the firstborn among many brethren? Have you heard that term? That that for, it's in Romans. And so, what he's saying there is that as the firstborn among many brethren, there will be many, 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 many other brothers and sisters, children of God, children of Christ, um, the family. This is a singularity, a unity, a oneness of the church of Jesus. Now. In the Nicene Creed, this is early on in Christendom, here's what had happened. Across the Christian world, from uh, Egypt and and the huge churches in Egypt and across North Africa and what we refer to as Morocco today, uh, over into Syria and into India and into the Near East and Iran, what we would call Iran today in the Persian Empire, all the way over to Rome and up into Europe and Gaul, um, the church had expanded dramatically, and there were millions and millions and millions of Christians. And in the, in the midst of all of this diversity, um, this, this unity of being Christians, some diversity had, begin, had begun to form. And people were seeing things and understanding things a little different. And it's not because they were trying to be apostates somehow. It's just that they were taking their culture and their society, and they were superimposing some of those values onto the scriptures. And so the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of Paul, the teachings of the, of the other apostles were read within the cultural lenses of that particular society. And you might understand, if you've studied it at all, I think most of you went to school at some point, right? Let's hope so. Um, you understand that the, the Persian culture was significantly different than the Egyptian culture, which was, again, pretty different than the European culture, which was unique somewhat to the Roman culture. And so these cultures, these societies were superimposing their values onto the scripture. So as Paul is saying, brothers and sisters, just like at Nicaea, what he's trying to get us to understand is you are one. And there are things that we must all agree upon as the family of God. And those should be the things that define you, that typify you, that give you your sense of identity and make you stalwart in who you are and what you do we are a family now how many of you are in a family okay this is an exercise moment okay unless you are a test tube you know you you came as a part of a family some of us have more uh, healthy and functional families than others i'm sure that nobody in here has experienced any kind of dysfunction in your family but you may know somebody who has right so whether dysfunctional or functional if you're a family You understand that there's a bond in the family that can't be broken. Even if we disagree, even if we argue, even if we have strife, that there is a bond that is unbreakable. And this is what Paul is trying to say, brothers and sisters, we the family of Jesus Christ need to be united. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, that's the uniting factor. Now, there's three things that are going to happen in this uniting factor here. And so what we're going to see is unity taking three, um, this family unity really taking on uh, three elements. First of all, I want you to be uh, saying the same things, the way Paul says it is uh, that you agree in what you say. The second part is there's no divisions among you And third, that you be united with the same understanding and the same convictions, Uh, convictions and understanding. So those are the three areas we're going to look at unity in. So the first one has to do largely with that you agree in what you say. Now, this is not just a matter of uh, we use the same language or the same words, but it means that we believe the same things. And so what comes out of our mouth, our convictions are identical. Why does this matter? Well, have you noticed, and and I'm sure you have, that uh, if we agree in in content or what we say is consistent, uh, we would be following a pattern. Maybe we would say talking points Uh, maybe we would say uh, the press release, the word we use, we like to say. You've noticed that when you listen to the news, there will be phrases or terms that become common between all the networks. And maybe uh, in the realm of politics, it may be what the Democratic uh, convention would want all of their people to say specifically. It may be what the Republicans want all their people to say, but you'll hear these phrases or terms repeated over and over and over again. You familiar with that sort of a thing? Talking points. If you've worked for a larger corporate or a company. Um, From time to time, the the firm is going to ask everybody to respond this way, or this is what we say. This particular product has these attributes. We want all of us to speak about this when you talk about it. If you've been in retail sales and the new new line comes out, uh, you want to talk about this particular thing on here. This is what you want to draw everybody's attention to. That's a talking point. But we all say the same thing. Now, in Christianity, We say the same things because that is a belief, it is a truth, it's something we hold, and when we speak about it, this is what comes out. Let's look at some examples. Um, When we speak about the gospel, perhaps you've uh, heard somebody say, what is the gospel? there is one gospel of Jesus Christ. And that gospel simply is this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, a begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not have to perish, but could have eternal life. And because of that, if you who are a sinner, okay, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we understand that the wages of sin is death, But if we, through Jesus Christ, accept Him and believe Him and confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we have the ability to be saved. And by turning our heart and our soul and our love and our life over to Jesus, that God can indwell us, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us, and you can be at peace with God. That is the forgiveness of God that comes through the grace of Jesus Christ. Yay. Welcome, Rio. That's brand new, by the way. But what, five days? How, how, how old is he right now? Eight, Eight days old. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yay. Because of new life in Jesus, the way that we behave, the things that we value, the things that we do, what we invest ourselves into is altered and changed. That's the effect of the gospel. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is consistent. So, so if somebody says, "What is the gospel?" They should hear the same thing out of all of our mouths. An- another one might be people would ask you, "Do you do you really believe in creation?" I mean, do you believe in the creation? And, and as as a rabbit trail, as an aside, I've lived in several cities around the United States and served for a while in Brazil. And we we've been around a bit. I'm kind, somewhat traveled. I've never lived in a place before where people are as combative about the nature of creation as in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. I've never seen this before. This is bizarre to me. Um, I understand what passions and convictions are, but this is, this is weird. People get really upset if you don't believe exactly the same as they do. People will leave churches, uh, not no longer be your friend. They will divide. They will call you names over your understanding of creation. Here's what I believe we need to agree upon with great unity. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Agreed? Okay. God spoke it into existence and he called it good. Agreed? Thus endeth the argument. Now, there are three distinct ways that Christians understand that might have taken place. All three positions will go directly to the scriptures and defend their position vehemently with scripture and with great passion. Yay, go for it. But what we mustn't do as a congregation, as a people of Jesus Christ, is ever yield on the fact that God created the heavens and the earth. The atmosphere, the cosmos, everything that is and the beginning, let there be light, which encompassed all of the laws of physics and all of the laws of motion. Everything came into being when God said so. Upon this, we must agree. This is unity. We can all be unified in this. So when we speak the same word about creation, we're saying the same thing. God did this. Mankind and life is spiritual special that means unborn life and criminal life that means people who have wrecked their lives and people who live exemplary lives people who parent different than you do and people who value different than you do people who speak different languages and live in different subcultures and cultures than you do people with different skin colors and shapes of their faces life is precious because god created it and as such We value life and we love people. That's the word of the church of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, can we agree? You see, this is where unity is found. But isn't it typical of humanity that we find the areas where we disagree and we subdivide and separate and we take up arms and we take up fists and we fight and we alienate? over the sub-things that would differentiate us, rather than saying, in Jesus there is unity, brothers and sisters. Another one might be, uh, how come good things happen to bad people or bad things happen to good people? When that question is asked, the church of Jesus Christ should respond the same way scripture has for many years, uh, 2,000 to be exact, and that is that, listen, God makes the sun to shine and the rain to fall on the wicked and the righteous alike. You are responsible for your decisions because you have been given freedom to choose who you will serve this day. Will you serve the Lord or will you serve yourself? You see, it's a fallacious understanding to think that every single thing that happens to you at every moment is because God has specifically made that particular thing happen at this point out of some particular motive of the divine. God is sovereign above all, absolutely not even a question. But just because you've got a bad park in place or a good park in place on Black Friday does not really have to do with the God of the universe orchestrating all of those things unless he's doing those for your good purpose and for the cause of the gospel. Does it all start to make sense? You see, bad things will happen to good people, and good things will happen to bad people. At the core of it is this. How are you stewarding the situation to bring glory and honor to God, so that when that wonderful thing happens, you are genuinely grateful and in gratitude, you want to share that that good fortune of yours with others, your good mood with others, your good windfall with others. And when what seems to be bad things happen, you steward that in such a way that demonstrates your faith in Jesus Christ and your knowledge that God can work all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. God, thank you for this diagnosis. It is difficult, but I'm going to go through this in such a way that brings you glory and honor and demonstrates to people that my ultimate value is my relationship with you and that my eternity is secure in you. God, thank you for this financial windfall I just had from Uncle I Never Knew who left me all this money. Way, How can I use this in such a way that brings glory and honor to you rather than just pleasure and temporary satisfaction to myself? You see, all things are acts of worship. We're either worshiping ourselves or we're worshiping God. That's why good things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people, because the sun shines on all of us equally. How you handle it demonstrates everything about who you are and whose you are. So the question is, how do good people handle bad things? Then how do good people handle good things? See, that's the core of the question. And so when we, the people of Jesus, use the same words to turn situations back to the real meaning, that should typify the family of Christ. Does that make sense? Did I go too far off to the side? Are you guys like, what are you talking about with unity? Okay. So um, a point to to draw out here that's actually uh, kind of fascinating is the term that Paul is using here um, is schismata, this divisions term. The term is actually schismata. So why are these divisions and separations happening among you? How is it that these things are causing disagreement among individuals whose identity is in Jesus? The reason is that the people's focus was on things other than God. When our focus comes off Jesus and God and His intention and consistently being in prayer, asking God to direct us and guide us and show us, when we move away from that posture in prayer, in supplication, in worship, when we move away from that motive, okay, that that focus, that posture, what happens is we start to focus on people and divisions form. Even amongst family, even amongst brothers and sisters, when the focus is errant, it's guaranteed that tensions will arise. Let me say that one more time. When your focus is errant, it's guaranteed that tensions will arise. Another way to say that is that if our ultimate value is on something other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, tensions will arise. Does that make sense? because that's what Paul is getting across. So let's move from maybe the things that we say uh, to another element of of what we're looking at today. And that would be that, let there be no division among you. So what is the division? Divisions um, happen because of things like preferences. Anybody ever have a preference and you differed with your spouse? Yeah, you have those? Uh, in our household, we kid around about this, and um, uh, it, it, the struggle's real, <laughs> by the way. But Kim and I are very different people. You may have noticed that about us. Um, I love my wife more than anything. She's the center of my life on earth. I, I absolutely adore her. But Kim is an artist. Anybody else married to an artist? A musician, performing artist? Okay, so there's some things they are phenomenal at, and others they just don't care a bit. And a perfect illustration of this would be our vehicles. If you were to go get in Kim's vehicle right now, um, you would find that there is enough room for you generally to sit And you could probably find the gear shift and get your hands on the wheel, but the rest is what I refer to as a tornado that's gone through uh, McDonald's and Hardee's and has exploded around the car along with instruments and music and things that fill the vehicle. Somewhere in there are things I've been looking for for weeks, but you will probably never ever find them. And somebody says, yeah, but she knows where they are. No, she does not. Are you kidding? That's not important to her. But if we sit down and try to play any piece of music or any kind of instrument, she is spectacular. She has patience that knows no end with the kids. She's great with that. She's wonderful at a thousand things I struggle with. On the other hand, if you got in my car, all right? My intention is that it looks like it did when it left Dearborn. I want the inside to be perfect. There's no reason to leave that wrapper there. There's no, they, it didn't come with a wrapper, why would you leave it on the floor? And my mother's laughing because I've been this way my whole life, right? There, there, wait, there, that dirt did not come from General Motors. Why is it there? It's a 15-year-old car, Shannon. Quit worrying about it. No, it doesn't need to be on the floor. It should go out, right? And that, that's how I am with my cars. Is there anybody with me? Somebody? am I the only one. Thank God. Bless you. Jim Moe is not that way. Man, he's a slob. I mean, he did get... No. Jim and I would probably be right at home together in the way we would take care of everything. But listen, that's a preference. If, if that became an argument between Kim and myself, this is a fruitless, pointless argument. You're not going to change, but, but listen, if you can drill back down to where the point is. The point is in the value. Our preferences are based on values. I value this. She values that. Is one value superior to the other? Well, we may each think so. But at the end of the day, you can't divide yourselves and your home over preferences, okay? Those are not fundamentals. How about forceful personalities? Anybody ever have to work with people who are really, really, really forceful, dominant personalities and others who are docile, easy to go along with, casual? Some of you have the best expressions on your face looking at your spouses right now. This is great. I wish you could have a camera up here and see this. But Doug and Kathy Hoppy did not respond. They sat dead still, eyes straight ahead. That was the best ever. You are so well-trained, Doug. And so in, in the, the, the the way that personalities weave and intermingle, there's always going to be people who are stronger and some who are more docile personalities. Some people will be more easily offended. Others are always going to want to be right, always want to step to the forefront, sanguine and ready to be in the crowd. Other Others are going to want to step to the back and ponder and perceive. Those are going to happen. They can create divisions. How about political convictions? Can we agree that politics has no place in, in the body of Jesus and the assembled church that What's out there should not divide us as people of God, and that coming in here, we don't divide ourselves by reds and blues and and greens and purples and whatever you may be, but we're the people of Jesus here. And what happens beyond these walls should be a reflection of the value of the gospel and the Lord Jesus Christ, not upon some candidate or some platform that is not based in the word of Jesus, which is unchanging. See, that's an amen spot, right? So, church programs, things can always tend to divide us. I have enough time for a funny story. I told it in the early service. This is is great. Um, We were, Kim and I, in our early marriage, were at a church that was very, very old. It was founded, I think, in 1707. It was called the Spring Creek Congregation or the Spring Creek Church. So, you might imagine that if a church has been around that long, they have some ways they do things, okay? Okay. The new sanctuary was built in 1947, 1948, I think, Um, and it looked like 1947 in there. Um, And so you you didn't move anything. I mean, I'm pretty sure that it's in scripture somewhere that this is the colors that it must be, and this is where the candles will be. And if you even think about wanting to change the chandeliers up two inches so you could see better from the back, uh, you probably will spend eternity in damnation. And so at this particular church, we, Kim and I, had been there about a year and a half. And here came the conversation. You ready? Miss Big, are we going to put cushions in the pews? Whoa, whoa. Not only that, were we going to change the color from kind of this turquoisey teal to blue? <laughs> and so the business meeting came screaming, cussing, yelling. Things were slammed on the pews as people stood up, walk out the back. I'll never be back. And so it was, they put cushions in the, que- in the pews. But they settled on baby blue uh, because that would be between the two. And that way neither side would win and we would have a compromise. And they went with baby blue carpet uh, because this would just be a phenomenal idea of compromise. And so they did this. You know, you know where that went? It was it been about two months later. We're having to change all the carpet out because it was completely stained. But but here's the point: preferences, tiny little wants, had divided the church. Now uh, I, I'm here to tell you, the church recovered beautifully. Uh, the church became a fun, fantastic force there on Midlothian Turnpike for a lot of years. And it's still there. It's still going strong. Uh, it's a neat church. We led the state in baptism three years in a row, and this this was a six hundred, eight hundred member church. So hey, that's pretty neat. Uh, It it, it did come out. But listen, how many of you would have a similar story of church life where the program or the way we built a building or the type of music we sang or the clothes we wore or the style of the preacher's delivery or the arrangement of the chairs can cause division amongst God's people? Friends, in Corinth, (coughs) there were things that were causing the church to be divided. Brothers and sisters, that's not worthy of the gospel. You know what brings great unity? You know what tears down division among us? Being singularly focused on what the gospel has called us to do. And that is to share with people the good news of Jesus Christ. To make disciples and to go tell other people about Jesus Christ. And make disciples who can go tell others about Jesus Christ. And make disciples and live in accordance to the way God has called us to live. Obsessing on those things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and acceptable, excellent and praiseworthy. This is the call of the church. Divisions are not the call of the church. Theological catchphrases are another example. We can talk about that some other time. But the third part of this. I told you first of all, as we read through this, uh, Paul would say uh, that you that you um, that you agree in what you say that there's no divisions among you and that you be united with the same understanding and the same convictions. As we talk about those uh, convictions, um, common convictions and understandings make us stronger. We're bound together, wound together, and are not easily separated because what we believe is the same. We're headed in the same direction and we are unified on core issues. At Church Bay Community Church, we we use this term a lot about open-handed and closed-handed matters. You familiar with this? Uh, if it's new to you, you kind of here's what we're saying. There's some matters where our hands are closed. This is not open for discussion, and we're th- th- ready right to fight about that. Um, and, and those are things like this, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, okay? And through Jesus Christ alone, we can have salvation and peace with God. That's a closed-handed matter. We're, that's not even open for discussion, That is absolutely the truth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Closed hands, no discussion. It was all an accident because of an astrological anomaly. And then 82 trillion billion years ago, an accident happened that led to another accident and fortuitously handed a whole bunch of other accidents that that became more and more and more and more complex and beautiful. No. In the beginning, God created and said it was good. And then His ultimate creation is mankind, non-negotiable. Period. If you can't believe that God created the heavens and the earth, the entire Bible that follows those opening sentences, you've called into question. So no, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. By the way, one of three distinct Christian ways you can view that creation, beautiful. But on the closed-handed matter, we don't negotiate. How how about this? Um, What was true is still true. Uh, Scripture is the inerrant and infallible word of God. And going to the scriptures where we find all truth and so by approaching this we know that if scripture says it it is truth how we understand and read it may be a little different, depending on what we call our hermeneutic, the way we approach the study. But we understand that Scripture is absolute truth and absolute authority. And if somebody says, I have a new revelation from God. I was I was—you uh, know in, in the bathtub the other day, and an angel appeared to me and gave me a thing. And he said, here's a new revelation for you. And you, whoa, wow. And you come to the church and say, I have a new revelation from God. Really? And somebody delivers a revelation. It's totally different than what the Scripture teaches you're wrong. (laughs) And scripture is right. This will be the source and the basis and the test and the rubric for all truth, always for all time. That's just a closed-handed matter. We're not going to open that up and discuss it and explore it. The Bible is the source of absolute truth. Now, there are dozens and dozens of examples like this we could do. The fundamental point I want you to walk away with is this. We must be in agreement On those things which are fundamental and close-handed issues. On the areas where, let's say, it's an open hand, what we're saying is we can differ a bit on other things. Uh, And the example kind of of the day that we're playing with, I don't know why I brought it up, it just keeps to go, um, is this issue of creation. There are some who are uh, six literal 24 hour day theorists, and they're absolutely fundamentally fierce about that's the way they approach Scripture. There's others. Uh, Well, Seventh He rested, rested on the seventh, right? Six days of active creation, a day of Sabbath rest. Yes, absolutely. Um, Guess who one of those is? <clears throat> there there's other brothers and sisters among us who are going to believe in a day-age theory, and they're saying that the, the, the language of Genesis is, is more poetic and illustrative than it is literal, and so their hermeneutic or way of reaching it would say that God speaks of, of days as generations or eras or times where God worked and created, and the creative process is spoken of as a day. That's okay. You could You could make the case for that out of Scripture as well, and as long as we're understanding fundamentally that God created the heavens and the earth... So as people approach that differently, that can be an open-handed issue. Listen, we're not hating one another and dividing ourselves according to that understanding of how you believe that God created the heavens and the earth. We're not going to hate one another over that difference. Agreed? Agreed? I mean, for heaven's sakes. If there's any one thing I would hope that people would know about Sturgeon Bay Community Church, let's hope that that's one of them. Okay, So we are stronger when the closed-handed issues are things we all agree on and we're headed in the same direction together. I want you to listen to a verse. This comes out of Amos 3.3. 3. The Old Testament prophet Amos uh, says this, Can two walk together except they be agreed? Can two walk together except they be agreed? Hey, how long can you walk down a path with somebody if you don't agree on the direction you're going? Can, how long can you work with somebody if there's no agreement between the two of you about what the finished product is supposed to be? How long can you be together in family relationship if your understanding and family value is completely different than somebody else's? It it, it isn't going to work. It's going to create tension. Here's the beauty of the body of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, you are one family in Jesus. And there are family values that are consistent to all Jesus followers. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. No man comes to the Father but by Him. Agreed. Your ultimate purpose on earth is to love God and enjoy Him completely and to have a transforming effect on the culture and society around you as you love God and love people. Agreed. Agreed. That God called His people to be identified in baptism and to be reminded of the covenant through communion. Agreed that the Bible is the holy and infallible and errant word of God. Agreed. Friends, if if this is where we start and this is where we end, we can differ on a lot of the smaller things and still be one uh, in Jesus Christ. As Paul is finishing up this passage, uh, really uh, what we're hearing is this word of unity amongst brothers and sisters, unity in what you say, no divisions among you, and united in your understanding of of the gospel. Um, I'm totally dead up here. I have no idea what just happened with this. So I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna go over here. You can put that back to just the slide that says Corinthians, if you don't mind. At Sturgeon Bay Community Church, one of the things that we discussed last week that we're going to be doing. Uh, to make sure that we are one in what we say and what we believe and how we function, is that we are going to be introducing some new courses in, in our church that you can do. Not a Sunday morning course necessarily, but take it during the week. The first of them we talked about was what we called our 101, thank you, course. And this 101 is a, is a, is a two to three hour course. And basically it talks about the DNA of Sturgeon Bay Community Church. It just explains how does leadership work. What's our history? What's the direction of this church? Where do we see ourselves in 20 years? Uh, What are our fundamental understandings theologically? What are our associations? Uh, What are the times we meet? How do I get involved in a life group? And most importantly, how do I become a covenant member? And this course, this 101 course, we're going to encourage everybody to take some time and take it. Even if you did Origins back in the day, this is a great way to get to know and understand the church um, and and to do that. The second thing we're going to be offering is called our Serve, or our 201 course. And the 201 course uh, talks about your gifting uh, and your place in the life of this church. This will take course over uh, two or three sessions, maybe once a week for a few weeks. You're going to find out what are your spiritual gifts, and what are your talents, and how can you use them to make a difference in the life of this congregation. And then we're going to understand what the place of those gifts are here. With the fundamental point being... All of you are part of the richly equipped body of Jesus Christ, and this is crucial to understand that you're not just here by accident or to observe, but to be engaged and involved in making a difference. Third is our discipling and flourishing course. This is our 301. Here we're going to look at spiritual disciplines as well as some deeper theological matters, and, more, and most importantly, how is the gospel conveyed or taught or shared with people and that's what that course will be. And then finally is what we call our leadership track or 401. And 401 is the philosophy of leadership and biblical principles of leading uh, in, in gospel consistency and in the life of the church so that uh, people who are involved in leadership here will all be leading according to the same values and the same styles uh, and, and, and the same scriptural guidelines. Does that make sense? So, what we want to do at this place at this time is we want to make the scriptures application contemporary today amongst the people who are unified in what we believe and where we're going. Now, guys, if you can pull up the next to the last slide that's mostly dark and it has the blue writing that kind of makes it uh, the point of today. If we're going to bring home the point, in other words, if what was for Corinth is for the United States of America, It is for the 21st century church, wherever it may be around the globe, in whatever language you may speak, whatever shape that may be. The first two here is what I want to look at today. First, the church should always be characterized by people who are in complete agreement about the gospel. That's an amen, just in case. The church must always be characterized by complete agreement about the gospel, brothers and sisters what we say, what we understand, and what drives us. The two of us are in agreement, and we're headed the same direction. And that direction is to be bearers and sharers of the good news of Jesus Christ, above all else. Secondly, every congregation will be beautifully unique in her approach to evangelism, discipleship, and edification. Be sure you are clear and united in this conviction. This church should be a home to you. The people who are brothers and sisters here should be like family to you because we're headed the same direction and we're united in that. We support one another, encourage one another, and believe in one another along that path because that's what the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be characterized by. The third one we didn't get to today because the preacher is long-winded. But what I hope you walk away with hearing this morning is that the people of Jesus Christ must be a people of unity. And what the community sees in us should be a people who speak together, eat together, share together, serve together, cry together, and celebrate together. But we do all that we do unified. In a culture that is increasingly divided, the church of Jesus Christ is increasingly unified.